You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, and we want to welcome you to a terrific Tuesday over here in the Black Media Matter studios. Of course, we got another great show lined up for you all today. Uh, you know, it's always great when I get to be in the studio with my co-host, with the most, Big O. What's up, Big O? Happy Tuesday. Trey Holiday. Hey. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday, my friend. She's coordinated here, huh? A bit of monochrome today. <laughs> monochrome. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I yeah. guess all same color. Yeah, huh? yeah. One okay. color today. Right. I've been monochrome my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that's what monochrome is. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, a great show lined up for you today. I'm um, leaving a lot of space for discussion about a few things. Um we start off, man. We're going to talk about inflation. It hit, you know, it came out. It's 40 year high. People are paying more for everything. I just tapped in there into the comments, man. Tell us what are you paying more for right now? See, you know, I, I don't drive. I can drive, by the way, and I have a license and all that kind of stuff. I just don't own a car because I don't need one to basically do what I do. But I know like a lot of people said they're paying a lot more money for things like gas. Gas is through the roof. I was down there in Southern California um, not too long ago, and it was $90 to fill up the tank, dog. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, that gas is hitting different. It makes you really think twice. Uh, Do I need to go there? (laughs) You know, now you're really like, hold on, let me evaluate, you know, real quick on those prices, man. It's real. Right. We're also going to talk about the, the... the Seattle Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Seattle Chamber of Commerce, um, they released some poll. They did some research. They released the research yesterday. I'm going to touch on it lightly today. I think it's a good topic to go into even more tomorrow with, mm. with Brian Callen from yeah. the Seattle Channel and Mike Davis from the South Seattle Emerald. So we'll touch on a few things there. And um, it's, it's just surprising in a sense that the things that have been impacting our community for years that we be yelling at the top of our lungs about that no one seems to care about. And it, as soon as it's now impacting, like basically white people, you know what I'm saying? It's top of head, awareness and everything. Like these are things that we've been talking about for a long time that impact us. Also, we didn't get to it yesterday, man, but BLM, that $6 million mansion, you know what I'm saying? Aye, my <laughs> friend, it's an issue there. So uh, quite a few things lined up here for today. Well, let's get it going. Uh, good morning. I want to welcome you to the Morning Update Show and remind you that right now, this very moment, is the perfect opportunity for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Pacific Northwest. want to give a big shout out to our partners, KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and also the South Seattle Emerald, reminding everybody that you can listen to the Morning Update Show anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Putting SoundCloud over there in the links, but you can also also check us out on Google, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Podcast is picking up again, too. Yeah, you know, I uh, I remember the last reports you were given on the data uh, to just know that people globally are listening to our shows. That's really, really dope. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's wild, man. People, people all over the world, you know what I'm saying, tuned in right here to Morning Update Show. And matter of fact, if you're listening right now, on the podcast, we appreciate you and make sure and share on your podcasting platform. Um, part of the show right here, 
We're putting the link in the comments here for us, wa.org, here for us, wa.org. This is culturally relevant curated information for those in our community who might be vaccine hesitant. You got some concerns about the vaccine or the boosters or how many more boosters they might be coming with or <laughs> testing and, and some of everything else. And I will say this is that COVID is still out there. You know, I heard from somebody yesterday who was like, man, I just got COVID. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and they're vaccinated and, and they got COVID and it's, it's still out here. Huh? It's still out here. And I think that, you know, we we saw this before when we had uh, a loosening of the restrictions of mask wearing. Um, you know, people are still doing gatherings. There's still a lot of things going on and it is affecting folks. And so you got to be careful out there. I mean, COVID is still out here. Y'all, you know, protect yourselves. Go to hereforuswild.org to get that information. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching so on the news. So Shanghai, Shanghai has like the tightest lock COVID lockdown on earth over over in Shanghai. And they're reporting upwards of 25,000 cases a day in uh, in Shanghai. But it's a city of 22 million people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's it's a massive city over in Shanghai. But the lockdown is so tight. And it's like now, you know, people are running out of food over there. They kind of, you know, lightweight. And I say lightweight rebelling against the government real lightweight because you know what i'm saying i mean them people know the chinese government they don't want no smoke with that but they definitely out there you know in the streets i mean people are literally that you know food shortages all kinds of shortages everything else and so china especially the city of shanghai i mean they're really dealing with what's becoming a crisis the the chinese the shanghai government was managing it themselves and now the actual you know the their national government has stepped in and of course president xi on the news He's like, yeah, we're managing, we're doing it. It's all good. They got, you know, uh, it's it's interesting to show the the government news over what's happening in Shanghai, as opposed to a lot of the stuff that's on Weibo, and you know, like that's the the chat platform. I used to be when I was over there in China. Everybody was like, what WhatsApp? No, 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 no. <laughs> you get on on their joint over there, but um. Yeah, we just want to make sure that people are cognizant that, that COVID is still out there. And like I said, here for us, wild.org resource. Yeah, and a great resource, too. And I think, you know, uh, a lot of folks are like, well, it, it, you know, if the government is allowing us to not wear a mask, if we're not having to showcase our vaccination cards to get into restaurants, maybe all of this stuff is kind of we're, we're getting past it. Um, and I know that there's a real urgency for us to get past it. But let's be mindful. It is still out there. Protect yourselves. Yeah, I mean, and and remember, in protecting yourselves, most likely you're protecting others, and that's the big thing that's there. All right, for culture, do 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 do. Twenty twenty two project grants. You want to apply by April twentieth, Trey Holiday for culture, man. They they're still in their bag, and like I said, this is a great timeline that they've given all the way into April twentieth. This has been open for quite a while. Yeah, it really has. I mean, we've been talking about it for some time, and you know, just looking at some of the criteria yesterday around some of the arts preservation and heritage projects. You know, again, they have an open window here. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of restrictions. 
options. They let you know what you can and cannot spend the monies on. Um, they are specific about that. But I'm excited uh, for this round of funding to go out, not just because it's funding much needed artistry, but the fact that our city is better because of it. So, you know, again, check out that resource, y'all. If you know of any artists or you yourself are an artist looking to do some great work, it's a great it's a great way to get funded. Right. And yeah. you guys will see the PSA here a bit. You know, uh, T-Dub looks good in that PSA. Oh, I know. We were <laughs> but, talking about it yesterday. So, man, so mom, when can I get that lighting treatment? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You light up everybody but me. Or, or, or is it just me? Let's do it. Okay. Do it. Yeah, I, I need to man, do a PSA about something. <laughs> I, would, I would just write it. I would be like, don't litter. <laughs> see, see, see what Salman can do for me. Uh, this came over this morning. I'm sorry. It's paper. We do recycle, though, mm -hmm. by the way. Maybe we'll break out the iPad. We got more iPads. Yeah. But, you know, the iPads. Yeah. Is, you like, so, like paper. I'm, I'm old school. Yeah. What, what, what can I say? You know, I'm trying not to fall in the category of corny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, big old squirty. You got, uh -uh. You got this paper no. over here. <laughs> um, all right. So this just came over this morning. It looks like it's Department of Edu or, uh, Department of Early Education and Learning. Yep, that's it right there, Salman. So this came over. It says uh, funding opportunity. Community-based organizations are invited to apply for deals, summer learning request for investment. That's an RFI. And it says here, Seattle Department of Education and Early Learning is currently requesting applications from community-based organizations and city agencies for deal summer learning enhancement requests for investment funded by families, educations, preschools, and promised levy, ah, le levy money. The funding um, opportunity seeks to expand or enhance existing community-based summer programs for K-12 students, right? So looks like right here, and then how much how much money they got? Because you know, that'd be the thing. We got $250 for whatever. All right, deal summer learning enhancement RFI will invest up to $1 million in one-time funding for community-based organizations providing youth programs in the areas of academic opportunities, social, emotional learning and enrichment, and college and career readiness in June through August 2022. All right. So, man, uh, Salman put the link in the comments right there. And what I like about this, like I said, this just came over. It didn't do too big of a deep dive, but I see it's an opportunity for community. So I wanted to, to get it on air here. But what I see here is... What I do like about what I read is so much investment goes into intervention, which it should. And there's a lot of a lot of times prevention is lacking. And this is good to see right here. Uh, a million dollars altogether, and it's ranging in between $10,000 and $75,000 for awardees for areas of academic uh, opportunities, social, emotional learning and enrichment, and college and career readiness. Because, you know, I say all the time that it's like, man, if, if you're going through something here, there's a lot of resources, but try to find some money to pay for the PSAT. You know what I'm saying? It, it, there ain't no fuss. Good news coming out of the deal. No, really good news. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they are really covering their bases here. This is something that is much needed, uh, particularly as we have seen that there's been a divestment in our public education systems with regard to summer schools. I know when we were growing up, oh, like the summer school was an option for us, right? And our parents didn't have to pay 
extra if you needed that extra boost. You need to go to you know summer school, get a couple credits or whatever it was that you were may have been behind in, or to get yourself prepared for the next year. Those were options, and so I really appreciate Deal for you know understanding the needs of community. Once again, I think this is a real showcasing uh, of being connected to families and to family needs, um, which I know is a huge, huge uh, driving factor for a deal. So, you know, again, this is a great funding source. You know, we're talking about college readiness. We've been talking about this educational gap. This may just be, you know, what some of those students need to get themselves prepared. And so I think it's a great opportunity. If you guys know of any community-based organizations that are doing this work, make sure they know about this uh, resource because, you know, up to 75,000 could go a long way uh, when you're talking about just a summer program. So, you know, not only is it a great resource, but they're really digging into their bag as well. So shout out to Deal for that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's good. I see some haters in the comments. <laughs> not about this. You know what I'm saying? Let's be clear. So for people who don't know, this is a black space where everybody's welcome, of course, in the Black Media Matter studios with two black hosts here from our black neighborhood in the Central District. And, you know, this isn't a government broadcast platform. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, Channel 4, 5, 7, you know, those are the people's airways. Man, if you don't like our message, take that hate somewhere else, fam. I'm, man, I'm tired of putting up with that shit, to be honest with you, because because it's been uh, two years. Man, take that somewhere else, family. You see what I'm saying? You in the black space right now. A matter of fact, sit back and get overwhelmed with a double dose of this blackness for that ass. You know what I'm saying? How about that? Because we ain't going nowhere. And, you know, maybe you get off on that. Maybe it's, oh, what's the black folks doing? Let me go. We're going to give you a double dose, a triple dose, a quadruple dose, and everything else. You know what I'm saying? Sit back and get attacked with this blackness, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. Look, don't have Omari going off on this terrific Tuesday, okay? And the truth of the matter is, is he's absolutely right. You know, the reason why Converge Media exists and the Black Media Matter Studios is here is because we understand the need for what we are bringing to community. And we appreciate everybody who supports us. We appreciate people who are watching. But I will tell you this, it's not the space to display your hate. That's the Yeah, truth. I mean, so it's one thing, right, in, in the coverage, especially like the coverage around the Seattle protests and we left that space open for everybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because this was breaking news happening in our city, historical. We didn't, we never limited anybody. We never blocked any comments. I never had any kind of feedback or anything unless somebody was making a threat online. I never said anything because we were reporting news for our city and also that reporting was going globally around the world. So we left the space open. You know, we sitting here talking about our neighborhood and about black issues. So I'm glad you so concerned about black issues. And I hope that you live within the municipality of the city of Seattle since you so concerned, you know, talking about who we but man, come on, man. You know, get it get a double, triple dose of this blackness, cuz. <laughs> We're going to keep giving it to you. That's for sure. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? On that note, <laughs> uh, on that note right there, we got a clip right here. CBS Mornings, inflation at a 40-year high. Into Washington we go where the Labor Department has just released a stunning new inflation report. The consumer price index in March was 8.5% higher than it was just a year ago, and that is by far the highest rate of inflation since 1981, Ed O'Keefe is at the White House for us where officials did say to expect this, but it's still shocking to see. Ed, good morning. 
Well, that's right, Tony. The White House had warned the numbers would be, quote, extraordinarily elevated, and they sure are. Repeating that top line number, 8.5% overall inflation jump versus a year ago. Food prices jumped 8.8%. Energy prices spiked 32%. These latest figures account for the month of March, the first full month since the war in Ukraine began and gas prices started spiking nationwide and around much of the world. The White House has said that these price spikes are due to what they call Putin's price spike. But remember, most of them had actually started climbing well before the war began. And even before these new numbers came out, CBS News polling showed nearly 70% of Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of inflation. And 66% say the higher prices have been difficult or a hardship. So as the president heads to Iowa today, the White House is expected to unveil a new attempt at helping drive down gas prices. The EPA is going to allow the sale of special gas blends, that is fuel mixed with 15% ethanol. It's known as E15 and isn't normally sold during warmer months because of concerns of high gas emissions. I'm sorry, I'm stuck. <laughs> Can you tell? Because here I am thinking, you know what? Now we keep talking about gas prices, the inflation of gas prices with regard to this war in the Ukraine. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I knew there was something going on with my energy bill. And I'm going to tell you, I was like, wait a minute, are my sons, I literally told them, stop turning on the heat. You guys better grab an extra blanket. You know, like, I, I like, so I'm over here, like trying to figure out if it was just my household, but this is real. Oh, I mean, this is in a lot of families families right now. I know it's in mine. I'm glad that's generational because I, <laughs> I used to hear that too. You know what I'm saying? And we had oil heat and you know, oil heat expensive and you got to, you, you can't, you can't just get like a quarter tank. You got to go fill it all the way up. So, uh, but yeah, prices everywhere, as they say, are all the way up if for men, for everything, even my favorite pizza place, which is a block from my house. Slice used to be four dollars. Now it's five fifty. See, yeah. I mean, it's it's something as simple as that. But really, when you bring it down to like your everyday costs, you know, things that you're doing. I literally just the other day. I spent $17 on something that used to be $12. And I had to ask the guy. I was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? He was like, oh, well, things are embedded in the price. He had to show me the receipt. But it was like, it was just a new cost. Uh, you know, well, basically, it's like a new cost and maybe even taxes, too, that are rising uh, at the same time. Everything. So everything is up. So we asked you guys there in the comments, what are some of the things that you pay for regularly that are on the rise. Like I said, I don't drive, so you know I'm not impacted by gas. And for me, you know, slice of pizza, fresh juice, and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? But like, especially somebody they're trying to fill their whole house, the refrigerator full of groceries. You know what I'm saying? You might be driving all around and everything else. And you know, it's something else is that we, we a lot of people in our community actually work in the municipality. You know, they used to live in the municipality. But now they drive into the municipality. And so, you know, their cost of even coming to work, of course, with gas and gas prices has uh, has risen. But almost every single thing is up, my friend. 40 year high. This is really something that is super significant to, I think, all of us out here. I mean, you know, Omar, you're talking about, you know, being a single person and being able to do your thing. Me, I got two growing boys and I just thought it was their appetites, man. But now I know it's not just us. It's hitting everyone. Right. And I I live by myself, but I'm not a single person. Don't get my ass whooped on air. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> live by yourself in terms of like a, yeah by, by by house here you know what i'm saying it'd be beefy soon 1201 phone gonna ring <laughs>
<laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, no, Andre Prem. Andre Prem is in the comments right there. And Andre Prem's talking about haircuts, which is true. Haircuts have, have gone up by my haircut, and, and I don't have much, but my haircuts have gone up five dollars. Wow, see? Everything. I mean, I think if you start breaking down um, the things that you spend money on, you know, all the time, you'll start to see that. Wait a minute. Just looking up my cost of what I was paying last year is definitely increased this year. That's real. Yeah. Uh, any of you guys out there, are you hitting the, the braider, the hair salon? Like what's is the price is the price up over there? You know, um, there was there was a guy. It was it was kind of a gimmick, but he ran for for mayor of like New York City. It was like years ago. It's black dude, and the name of his party was the rents too damn high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everything is is too high. But you know, uh, of course, you know it affects people in economic levels differently, right? Um, and it affects the person who, in purchasing consumer goods. Are they having to purchase one at a time because of their income level as opposed to somebody who's able to buy in bulk? Right. And, and so, you know, we see, you know how it is, man, when America sneezes, black folks catch a cold. And and so, you know, of course, inflation in a, in a percentage sense hits everybody the same. But it doesn't really filter down on the ground level that way. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're talking about any families that are living below area median income. You know, the way that it hits their family financials is very different than those who, you know, have the means and resources to do it. So, you know, it's so true that when we talk about certain things like that, we have to think about the difference of, you know, income levels and it's affecting people in a, in a much different way. I mean, I, I'm thankful, you know, my cousin, you know, my cousin Trina, she hooks me up. So I'm not worried about the salon <laughs> cost. But, you know, honestly, hey, if you can keep it in the fam, try to do that. That may help you with some of those costs that you're incurring out there uh, for your lived expenses and your day life yeah pam mancano can you put up pam's comment over there pam mancano's like yeah things are costing a little bit more but i mean she's grateful that I'm not suffering you know some of the other things that other people are there it is i know it's a struggle with inflation but i'm grateful that i'm not suffering like so many around the world yeah that's, that's a true. that's a great that's a great outlook over there um, man, anything else on inflation? You know, for me, I just think that it's important that we stay on top of it. I mean, we always talk about following the money. Inflation is a part of that, honestly. I mean, yeah, they take it all the money. It really is. No, it really is. So let's just be mindful here of, you know, how we're spending things and, and find ways to save during this time. I think it's really important because uh, these spikes, I think, sometimes cause others to wonder what what is going to if, if something's going to really spike all the way because it's been going up increasingly kind of slowly, but sometimes we see a spike. So get prepared for that. All right. Good stuff. We've got a few things here. Capitol Hill, Seattle blog, CapitolHillSeattle.com. Uh, this first one here, Capitol Arrest. No. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Hello. No, you don't see it. Okay. So, but I'll just mention it here. This is Capitol Hill, Seattle. Um, one of Capitol Hill's few black owned bars and restaurants, go ahead and put that into the, the link in the comments, is being refreshed under a new owner and uh, and it's still black owned. They're talking about Paco, you know, um, right right there. I think it's where, where Madison intersects with uh, not quite Union. Actually, I'm not doing this story justice because we had a great overlay on it. So we're going to move it to tomorrow so we can totally uplift this business. You sure you don't see that overlay there, Chief? No, 
It's fine. I don't want you to experiment on air. <laughs> um, and I will say this also something from Capitol Hill Seattle blog, maybe dicks. Okay, well, he sees dicks. There it is, right there. Okay, so we got dicks up. So basically, um, the the renovation there, they're not going to open until. So here you go. With plans for early summer reopening of Capitol Hill's drive in, dicks is bringing his burger and shake food truck to Broadway. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of people, including myself, who be, <laughs> who be, who be up there. And um, yeah, man, you know, Dix, Dix isn't, it isn't open back yet. And so they're going to um, bring the food truck there to Broadway and we'll, we'll put the link in the comments. But you can find out where that Dix food truck is going to be on their social, uh, following the Dix social media. Oh my goodness. So does that mean it's already there or we're still waiting for it to come? I'm going to have to follow up on this story the, the, because... The, I'm going to tell you right now, me and my mom were out here, forgot that Dix was closed. <laughs> and mom's like, I think Yo. I want some Dix. So I'm trying to take her up there. And I said, I can't believe that I didn't remember that it was closed. And yes, it is closed. So. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Our, our man, Salman, he was digging in the crates over there. So now we'll, we'll go and put this one back up. Here we go. Also from Capitol Hill, Seattle blog. One of Capitol Hill's few Black-owned bars and restaurants is being refreshed under a new owner, and it is still Black-owned. Um, they're talking about Poco Bar and Lounge, and it says patrons return to Capitol Hill establishments after two years of the pandemic will find a new and uplifted Poco Bar and Lounge on East Pine under new owner Jesse Rhodes, who continues the spot's history of Black ownership. It says Rhodes and a friend, uh, in front of previous owner, Rashida Burnham, and longtime patron of Poco, purchased the bar from her in early January of this year. Since its purchase by um, Jackie and Tramel Turner, oh, since its purchase in Jackie and Tramel Turner in 2015, Poco has been one of the few black owned businesses on the hill, including Plum Bistro, where you like to go, Marjorie, been there, that was dope. And uh, Asteria La Spiga, where Chef Sabrina Tinsley has become a co-owner. So Poco Bar and Lounge is there. It's been uplifted. It's still Black-owned. Sounds like we finna go get some drinks. Sounds like, hey, it's time to go hit up Poco, see what else they got on the menu. This is really exciting, honestly, and the fact that there's some intentionality here to allow for this, you know, this Black couple to now step up. And, you know, this is a great story all around. Oh, and, you know, I didn't even know Asteria La Spiga was uh, had some black ownership there too. It's right over there by uh, Plum Bistro. It's another spot to check out. Yeah, no, for sure. And and there's we we've got we've got some stuff coming up later on this week, and then larger in segments because we're doing um doing interviews. But man, there is a lot of black businesses, especially by black women owners, opening up all over Seattle. I was at Inside over there on Fourth Avenue. I was at um. Tuswira over there, just a few blocks from from us. Um, I was at Norlux, you know, Norlux Candle. We were there. So I've been quite a few places with these new businesses that open up and they all look fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. Shout out to all of that black woman magic. I'm going to tell you, it is so needed in this city to diversify our business owners and spaces where, you know, black folks are like, look, we want to circulate black dollars. Let's go ahead and be sure that we are supporting those businesses out there. I'm excited to, you know, maybe have some of them come on and tell us about their stories. You know me. It's all about the story for me. Man. <laughs> and it. with Trey Holiday luck. She gonna come back with something from all of the spots. You see, you see, 
it's Trey Holiday. Here's some candles. It's Trey Holiday. Here's this. You know what I'm saying? They be seeing me. They be like, what's up, big old? Glad, glad to see you. You know what I'm saying? Trey Holiday be leaving with the swag bag. <laughs> you know what? It's really a, an amazing feat to get connected to business owners that are saying their dream is coming true here. And so for me, it's always about how do we make sure that we become real patrons, you know, real good customers of these businesses. So shout out to all y'all. All right. Good stuff. We're going to take a break right now. We come back. We're going to talk about we're just going to touch the surface of some of this research that the um, Seattle Chamber of Commerce put out. You're watching the Morning Update Show. Hey y'all, it's T-Dub once again bringing you the word on art funding in King County. Are you working on an arts heritage or preservation project? Well, get that project you've been dreaming of underway today as applications for Four Cultures project grants are now open. Project Grants is one of the largest grant programs for culture offers, supporting the creative endeavors of individuals and groups working in the arts heritage and preservation. They have a lot of resources available to help you navigate the process, including virtual workshops happening weekly. But I'm going to take a quick moment to break down the three categories for project funding. There's funding for art projects, whether you're an individual or a group, no matter your style or discipline, for culture has you covered. Heritage projects fund works uncovering, illuminating, and sharing the rich history that is all around us in King County. So if you're working on an oral history research or an online exhibition, heritage projects can fund it all. And preservation special project grants are designed to support efforts to preserve and safeguard a historic site or building in King County. This includes neighborhood surveys, landmark nominations, and much more. The deadline to apply is April 20th, so head over to fortculture.org slash project grants for more information. As a non-binary Black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a Black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with Black folks, to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. All right. Welcome back to the Morning Update show. And you see there, Seattle News Views and Brews, Brian County. And Brian County is actually going to be here tomorrow, uh, filling us in on what's going on over at City Hall. And also, we're going to talk about the index with Brian County tomorrow. And that's this research that's come out from uh, the Seattle Chamber of Commerce. And, uh, you know, a quick takeaway. You put up put up slide number one there. Uh, you might say poll one. Um, a, 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 yeah, there you go. A, a quick takeaway right here is, you know, this is the 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 people that they surveyed. And, you know, when when you look at it, of course, it's overwhelmingly Democrat. One thing there here, though, is it's hard for us to extrapolate what this means, particularly to black people, because the category there is just white people of color or refuse. And we often know that people of color um, we're excluded from research. We're excluded from a lot of stuff when people say people of color. Now, I'm not like damning this particular research, but we can't extrapolate what black people are saying when when this comes out, because it, it you know, it, it says people of color. And just let uh, the, the viewing audience know is the next time when you're talking to one of these these people, these DEI people at one of these companies and everything, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, our, our, our workforce is 27 percent people of color. You need to stop them and be like, OK, 
how many black folk though? You know what I'm saying? You'll probably be surprised at the actual number because POC enables you to take in everybody but white people. And so you can literally have no black people working there and the public perceives that they're like, oh, wow, you know, this company is so diverse to have this level of people of color in there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that black people are represented. Yeah, this is exactly why even terms like people of color or, you know, terms like BIPOC, um, they don't really resonate well in terms of identifying, you know, which ethnicities they're talking about. And I think sometimes it really would behoove a lot, especially a lot of these data gathering companies out here doing surveys and things like that to really make sure that they have a, a metric that is, you know, hey, this is how many black folks, this is how many indigenous folks we spoke to, how many Latino folks and Hispanic folks we spoke to. That to me, I think is really where you can get a real sense of what that data means people of color can mean a lot of different things and it gets confusing for a lot of folks out there right and so i mean prefacing that is is difficult for us to say what this actually means here to to black people and what black people are saying and thinking about this we'll put up slide number two um slide number two right here this is like what what people their biggest concerns right and um you know on on top here is homelessness and then there is um, what public safety. And then down there at like, I think it said 11 percent or one of these things is like racial justice. <laughs> you know, this is an overwhelmingly you bring it up. This is an overwhelmingly Democratic. They even say it. it's a Democrat skewed because it's an overwhelming number of Democrat voters in the city. So to tell you there. And, you know, what, one of the things that, that we talk about. And, you know, you know best because you work in community way, you know, boots on the ground, a lot of stuff that you do. I talk to a lot of people in community, but homelessness is definitely important. Right. And this is a big issue and I'm not downplaying it. But when I talk to people in our community, you know, they're there. I don't hear them saying that homelessness is their number one concern. Their number one. A lot of people are concerned about like, man, their kid getting killed or shot. You know what I'm saying? Or something like that. Or they're concerned about becoming homeless. Yeah. But I mean, that's just what I come across. What do you come across? I think you're absolutely right. And, I, I you know, it's interesting because, it, you know, my data is going to be skewed because I'm talking primarily to black folks. But you would hear that racial concerns are at the heart of a lot of the other issues. So when we talk about investing in communities, when we talk about treating the whole person, when we talk about, um, you know, scaling up community rooted solutions uh, that are culturally responsive, what we're saying is, is that if a lot of these communities where we see uh, kind of crime either not just happening, but maybe it's uh, kind of located, you know, uh, in terms of some of the folks that are getting locked up for certain things. If they actually had the opportunities that were existing in other neighborhoods, um, we would actually see those numbers decrease. So I think that what I see and what I hear from a lot of folks is how racial discrimination plays out in a lot of these systems with regard to not just what causes homelessness, but what also raises public safety concerns. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've been telling people, though, I was like the winds of George Floyd have blown through the city. <laughs> he 
You know, you know what I'm saying? It's blown all, you know, everybody who was concerned about social justice and equity and all these kind of things, you know, it's waiting. I'm, I, you know, I'm concerned about people who took all these DEI jobs. I think they got job security for like, you know, the next few years. And then it's going to be like, well, you know, Mustafa, um, budget cuts, we're going to have to reduce the DEI office. You know what I'm saying? Is that an actual sustained position that's going to be in a lot of businesses at the end of the day? Because when the winds of social justice change and everything blow through a city and it's no longer a top ahead thing. And when the Black Lives Matter signs come out of windows and all these kind of things, you know what I'm saying? Will, will it be as as important? And, you know, one of the interesting things is is that although in this research and like I said, we're going to do a deep dive with it tomorrow with Brian Callinan. With this research, you know, when you talk about homelessness and then also public safety and then if if kind of like racial justice, racial issues and equity issues are further down, a lot of those issues are also driving homelessness, <laughs> also driving, driving, you know, I don't say public safety. That's exactly my point. And, and I'll say uh, uh, a couple things here. One, last night, my son was he has a, a, a an assignment to read a chapter book. And so they're reading about Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And he was uh, reading aloud to me. And uh, one of the things that really struck me was uh, talking about how, you know, during the civil rights era, you know, people in terms of protesters being arrested, reading it in the newspaper was something very different than seeing it happen on live TV. And the live TV aspect caused many white families and white Americans to understand the huge amounts of racial oppression and how it plays out with regard to people being able to gather, having free speech. So they talked a lot about Bull Connor and the hoses and all this stuff, but the idea that we actually live in a television age, we still live in a streaming age, like Omari was saying, you know, there was something that was striking at the heart of many Americans seeing these protests happen in live time, in real time, seeing it um, play out on the streets with police and the ways that police were abusing their powers out there. So there's something to be said here, Omari, for when you talk about that wave and that kind of wind blowing through, there's something to be said because you can't deny it when it's right in your face. But That's yet right. when it starts to when it starts to go down, you start thinking, that oh you know we're doing okay we're doing good as a as a country you know we we got it together no we still don't have it together and this is why uh, a part of my life will always be pressing for those equity measures because they are necessary and a second thing i want to say dei measures okay for all corporate folks out there don't need to be led by white firms I'm sorry. Uh, The idea that, you know, white people are going to come in and tell you how to diversify, how to bring in equity, how to think about inclusion. That is something you need to really check at the gate. If you have a real hard time finding some amazing black folks or, you know, indigenous folks or, uh, you know, Latinx folks, Hispanic folks, if you have a hard time finding somebody who's actually lived through it, that can bring their lived experience to the strategy that you're going to implement in your company, let me tell you, you need to search harder because there is something to be said about a bunch of white companies, oh, 
that hopped on that train that said, you know what, we're going to we're going to do a couple of different courses here on DEI. We're going to learn and then we're going to go get paid buku bucks to teach this around the uh, around the world. No, it's it's something that's got to stop. These guys are getting the bag to sit here and tell us how to to be more DEI and just want to give a heads up to any any of you companies that are actually out there and you really want to uh, you know di diversify your business and everything else or diversify your communications at least in the Latinx community man the Vita agency one yes. one of our, one of our partners over there in the black community the anchor group and you know, and actually, Larry Williams just actually helped publish a, a multicultural guide over there at um, uh, at the Anchor Group. I told him you need to call it the Black Guy. He was like, "Well, oh, you know, it's just multicultural because you know it's more than Black folk." I was like, "All right, Larry." But the the Vita Agency and the Anchor Group, you know, what I'm saying two agencies that are really good right there for people who are sincere about DEI. But I I feel like a city of Seattle, like Seattle. Them winds is blowing, my friend. And like I said, people who got these DEI jobs and everything else, they're going to find it. Yeah, do the budget cuts. You know, we're going to roll this into HR function and we're going to, you know what I'm saying, get it while you can. But I think that what what this stuff shows, what a lot of the, the polling and things that kind of shows is that the city of Seattle is comfortable when these things don't hit their doorstep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, here I am as somebody, when we, we go back to 1993, Garfield High School, you know, and I'm sitting there talking about the murder of June Walker, the murder of Merrick Murray. And, and then you go to, to my son, you know what I'm saying? Who, who went to O'Day and was friends with Connor Dasahala. And then we deal with with this every day, the shootings every day. This is so when people are like, oh, you know, people in Seattle are concerned about about gun violence and crime and everything. That's because it's now hit your doorstep. You see what I'm saying? We've been talking about this. All of these things where everybody's like, oh, surprise. We've been talking about these things. The things, my friend, that are visible to you today have never been invisible to us. Never. It's just now reaching their door. And, and as long as even this homelessness issue, as long as the homeless were tucked away under freeways and nobody could see them and everything else, people were like, oh, it's manageable. But now it's your neighborhood where, where somebody is there. But what about the people who've always been dealing and wanting to confront these issues and confront these issues in the right way, in a just way? But you've been deaf, Seattle. You've never listened to us. It didn't concern you. That was them black folks. That's them poor people. That's them people on the street who got issues. That's them homeless people. And it didn't concern you. And you went on with your everyday life. Now, all of a sudden, it's at their doorstep. And it's, we, we got to do something. We're going in the wrong way. Yeah, let's be honest, too. It has never been manageable. The ideas that, you know, you, you, you know, manageable and manageability is not really something that is objective. It hasn't been manageable for the city. This is why the King County uh, Regional Homelessness Authority is saying, look, for 30 years, there's been some measures that have tried to take place with homelessness. We have to come in and make sure that whatever we do sticks, that it works, that we listen to the people that are out there on the streets, that we understand what their needs are. We have to take a different approach with regard to homelessness. These things have never been manageable. When we talk about public safety, there is a real known fact in black community in particular 
particular that when the summer comes, man, hiding up because those bullets might get to flying when people get out there and get warm and all of that. That is something that we've dealt with for years. The idea is that now these bullets are flying in your neighborhoods is making you uncomfortable. But let me tell you, Omari is exactly right on this measure that people in the community who have dealt with these issues have been saying they are an issue. And they're not just an issue for those in the community. They're an issue for the city as a whole. And yet now the city is saying something. And I think one of the biggest things for me oh, with this data was that now 67% of Seattleites are thinking about moving out of Seattle. And it doesn't surprise me at all. But here we are again. You want safety. You want something uh, for your family uh, environment that is protected. The fact that you now are dealing with so many of the characteristics we've been saying and so many of the things that have really meant that we had no choice but to be resilient in these environments. Now you're you're thinking, I got to get out of here, right? Yeah, this well, is insane. I mean, you got to think about it. Anywhere, Seattle and anywhere else, poor people are disproportionately impacted by crime. Yeah. Poor, poor people are disproportionately impacted by crime. But, you know, when 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 people have been asking for resources and be able to address these issues and everything else, you know, it's it's a it's a blind eye. It's a deaf ear because that's them poor folk. That's them black folk. Them, them the homeless people, they, they're, they're, they're underneath the overpass. They're not in my neighborhood and everything else. Seattle, time and again, always has an opportunity to be proactive about so many things. And we don't until it hits the doorsteps of affluent neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? You can go back on Converge three, four years. And we say the exact same thing. Three, four years. We've been saying the exact same thing here. So, you know, and and of course, with with the, the same impacts that are now coming out with all these people saying it's not and their dissatisfaction. A lot of people, you got to tell people you on set, Trey yeah, Holiday. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people are coming, you know, and it, it, it does it impact. Imagine how many businesses in our community have been impacted for years. They've been impacted for by, by all of these types of things. So, like I said, it's you know, I mean, it's some it's some research here and, you know, 90 slides. So we're gonna give it a deep dive into it. And like I said, we'll discuss it more tomorrow with Brian, with Brian Callanan and everything else. It is good to see, no matter what, you know what I'm saying, a polling sample of what people are thinking and everything else. Like I said, people of color are put into one box. We can't really extrapolate what that means for us, for black people. Um, but all the same, it is good to be able to get these snapshots of us what you know, the people they surveyed at least are thinking. Well, it is good for us to understand it. I think it also really speaks again to so much of what we're pointing out here that, you know, this is something that is not really news to Omari or I or many in our communities with regard to how it's hitting everybody else. These are things we've been living through that my, my always my hope oh, is that maybe through this polling and now everybody's saying it, let's see what kind of resources flood into but, the solutions. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Look, playing, they're playing a game, man. You know, and that's why I told people yesterday, you better watch this 30 million on this, this participant. Yeah. Man, the, the, the winds, the winds are blowing in a different direction. You know what I'm saying? Bear Durkin put up the, that, that, that hundred billion. And you know what I'm saying? There's and that's out on the streets. There's another 30 comes to participatory budgeting. We'll see what, what you know, what happens with, with this budget. There was a lot of stuff just going all kinds of different directions. We'll see if there's a is if there's a firm, you know, I mean, what, what Mayor Durkin said at the time was a 10 year commitment. 
a yeah. billion dollars over 10 years, an actual investment. And in over 10 years, you're going all the way upstream. And a lot of a lot of cause uh, causations is the word of a lot of things that we see here. And, you know, a committed investment in our community and everything else. But, you know, like I said, we know the, the winds change and. uh <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, you're absolutely right. You even talk about what we were just talking about too, the difference between, you know, intervention versus prevention. We are talking about really resourcing some things upstream. I think you're absolutely right. And that was one of the things that I know Mayor Durkin was saying back then. This is something that has to continue with Mayor Harrell at this point. We need to be able to see that real commitment to uh, resourcing the community to really ensure that these sustainable solutions come up to scale. That's something that I think is still necessary. Right. I mean, I got to wonder if people say the homelessness is is number one, is, is top of mind there. Um, I won't go too far out there because I'm not an expert on homelessness, but we do have a lot of them around us that we could tap into. But it'd be interesting to see is how many people fell through that system and onto the streets. Yeah. Because, you know what I'm saying, maybe when when people were like, hey, this is something we really need to fund. This is a safety net to keep people in their house. You know what I'm saying? So they're not they're not evicted or they don't lose their home and end up on the street. You know, a lot of stuff we're doing in reverse, because when it's poor people, when it's poor people who who are asking for resources in real time to address something, the sense of urgency isn't there with the rest of the city. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's only when they're impacted. Now it's a sense of urgency. It's just like Seattle could have been making a, a big time investment in, in community for a long time, but it took that sense of urgency in the Seattle protests for, for that, for that hundred million dollars. And I would tell people at home, man, you got, man, you got to follow this. You know what I'm saying? And I'll tell everybody who's working out there, the DEI jobs, man, you better do it while you can. Because the wind, the winds and change is blowing. And I, I don't know how big your DEI department and budget is going to be five years from now. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So many people in DEI spend a lot of time trying to explain to white men in power that there is a need for them to just do this work. And so shout out to those of you uh, that are doing this work because it's so necessary. It is much needed in our communities. And I know there's a lot of slack you get just for trying to educate people who have ha had these veils over their eyes for so many years and now they're really trying to understand it but it's still a barrier there and it's so much education that yeah you it. you need to send me some people so <laughs> i i can send some more people too because you know at, at this point you know people hit me up and maybe they're saying that they want to work with converge or this and that and then you know for like a year it was me educating people <laughs> And I thought, of, I'm like, man, I'm spending my time here educating you. I said, come on, man, cut it. <laughs> you take one of them courses or something, they come back and holler at your boy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. So, um, like I said, re research is is interesting. But for, unfortunately, for, for us, a lot of us in the Seattle's Black community, None of none of the things that are out there are new. You know what I'm saying? Um, the the fear of being homeless or unhoused is always been top of mind for us. You know, 
gun violence and safety has always been top of mind for us. And you know, one of these days, somebody make an investment and talk to us. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Just, you know, it's a good idea. And I'm not saying that in comparison to the chamber report, because that's very specific. These are businesses that, that wanted to get, um, you know, a, a reading on on the environment as they see it. And I just think that it's important that we do our research within our community so we can say of the 700 black people that we polled that live in this area, this is what concerns black people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of uh, we see some of that work happening through the HSD funding that did come out. I know there's some surveys that are going to be hitting the community uh, and particularly making sure that those who are normally not polled, those who are not surveyed are a part of this. And, you know, we saw this uh, before uh, this kind of approach, but, you know, to ensure that we're also hitting people who are incarcerated, there are certain issues that they do with and we need to be able to incorporate that into solutions so we'll see as that hits the streets all right good, <laughs> good stuff um we're gonna we're gonna take a break right we're gonna take a break right now uh when we come back we got a few announcements we're gonna get out of here you're watching the morning update show when COVID first hit, I was very afraid. It was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine, but we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. All right, welcome back to the Morning Update show. We were saying, yeah, these the discussion. Who who phone is that? Look, <laughs> we digging yeah, my, today. No, my my lung do not disturb. Okay. If you are texting me, <laughs> uh, man, yeah, this is good. You were you were just saying this is like this is like back in the old school. We just shouldn't be discussing something. Yeah, you know, we never know how these discussions are going to pop off, and especially when we get to getting in the comments because that can take us somewhere else as well because other things need to be addressed. But uh, I really appreciate this. I re remember how we just had headlines and we would just talk about it. People really got to know our personalities that way early days of the morning update show yeah i mean it's the, the morning update show this this where we taking it back one way or another but the morning update show so before the seattle protest where we opened up our platform to everybody morning update show used to actually stream on my facebook page yeah. you know what i'm saying you, you had to you had to come to my page and then where the seattle protest we moved the morning update show to the converge page and of course we opened it to everybody we didn't block anybody didn't restrict anybody no comments no anything but you know like auntie might say i'm reclaiming my time yeah. you know because the morning update show used to just be like sitting around with the family and you know having a cup of coffee and we talking about things that impact our community and everything else and that's the most important thing we can be doing a uh, big shout out to my buddy photographer live live lions and uh man gonna see live later on today we're doing a shoot down here at the studio live hey. live is tapped in uh watching uh, so programming for tonight do, do 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 the truth with proof there he is all right 8 30 tonight live show with proof, proof in the play. And yeah, he's got a, my brother's keepers gun club. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's got Moose from from Moose Burgers. Yeah. Yeah, he got a few other people. So this is the best thing my proof showed. The, the last week we had the hot link corn dogs. Yes. This week we're having the Moose Burgers. You know, I was with Proof this weekend, and everybody was like, "So, so what do we call those link hots?" Corn hots, <laughs> you know, like everybody, corn links. I think we settled on corn links, but you know, <laughs> you know, Moose Burgers is coming with their carrot pies. And when I tell you that these pies taste just like a sweet potato pie, I'm telling you, hey, I know you're going to be here at the studio. They're top notch. All right, good stuff. So, yeah, proof the truth for proof tonight at 830. Then tomorrow, tomorrow, we have Brian Callanan. From the Seattle channel. Boom. You see that one? Boom, boom. He's going to be here with us. And we're also going to be joined by Mike Davis of the South Seattle Emerald. Looks like it's 59 minutes after the hour, Trey Holiday. Any last words before we get out of here? Always, uh, you guys, see yourself as a part of the solution. These solutions are necessary. We could tell by that poll data that the more of us who are really pouring into amazing solutions that are sustainable, the better that we are to make our community. So be a part of the solution. All right. Good stuff, everybody. Like I said, make sure to check, uh, check out Proof tonight at 830. <laughs> great guy. Great show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, Salma? You ready for Proof later? Yeah. All right. This is a long day for Salma. I He's know. got three shows today. You Ooh. know what I'm saying? He'll be over there putting in work. But Working he's built hard. for it. Yeah. For sure. He's definitely built for it. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. want to thank you guys. Thank all of our supporters out there everything else. Um, and yeah. We're going to get out of here. We're going to leave you with a little bit of hope from Shayna Shepard. And until tomorrow, I want to remind you, go forward with your purpose. Go forward. And you know, yeah, no, I was saying sometimes people don't people don't realize like sitting here on this camera, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it goes through. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do it one more time. You know what I'm saying? Louder for the people in the back. Go 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 forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow at eleven a.m. Peace. peace. What do I see through a lens of fear? A thousand little steps to go. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundown, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me, then hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking out left on a right hand turn, just trying to make a deal. A lazy shoes and love is a love that turn. That's the kind of food that heals. I've been searching for the end of an era, waiting to be ready. The world is bigger than a moment. Be steady, that's how you can feel it's real. But I feel naked.
produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.